0: Welcome to the Collins Hill Pulpit Podcast, a ministry of Collins Hill Baptist Church of Lawrenceville, Georgia. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you Bible messages that are relevant to the day and age in which we live. These messages have been preached from the pulpit of Collins Hill Baptist Church in recent days. Now, here is today's message. We're going to be looking here at seven verses. In fact, we're going to be looking at one of the churches... Of the book of Revelation, of course, there are seven churches that specific letters were written to. And uh, as we are going to be reading here, these first seven verses of chapter number two, we'll be finding that the Apostle John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church of Ephesus, to the church of Ephesus. So let's read here Revelation chapter number two, starting here in verse number one. The Bible says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I forgot to grab them and hand them out today after I asked Miss Faye to to get them for me. But uh, she'll probably, is she going to go get them for me? What a blessing. Wow. So basically, I'll tell you what's going to happen this morning. I said last week that there was something that I was going to give you that I was going to need back from you. And this morning, we're going to, the title of the message, and what we're going to do is we're going to consider Collins Hill. That's what we're going to do. We're going to consider Collins Hill. Now, next week, we're going to spend a specific amount of time looking at Collins Hill Baptist Church, looking at the vision that we have, the, where we want to go, and how we're going to get there. But today, what I want is, I w- I, we've got some three-by-five cards, and I want you to answer a question. In fact, while we get them, and, um, and, and before we pass them out, I'll give you the question that, that you can think of. And this is the question. Oftentimes, we have in our minds a picture of what our church and what your church should look like. And so my question is simply this. What do you think needs to be done in this year or in the future? That you would say, we're doing it right. Or man, if we have this program, if we have this event, if we do this, then we're successful. Or man, we have this goal. Whatever it may be, I want you to think about it. And I don't want you to put your name on it. I don't I don't want to know who says what. I just want you to be thinking. You say, man, if we had a kids club on this, man, that would be just the peak. That would be success. Or, or maybe it's, man, if we had 6,000 people here on Sunday morning, may, maybe that's what you would say. Then we've reached the mark, okay? I don't, I don't know what it is. Whatever it may be, you, you put it down there. You don't worry about it. And uh, we've, got, we've got our ushers here. They're going to bring them to you and pass them out there. But then the second question is, whatever you put down, are you willing... And are you able to help achieve that goal? And you can put yes or no. Like I said, you're not going to put your name on it. You're not going to list it. I, I don't need to know who wrote what. But I just want to see where everybody's at. I want to see what everybody thinks. And see, uh, especially if you're willing to help and aid in that. Yes, sir. The blank side, not what's written. But on the back side. Okay, yes, the blank side. So don't write with what's written. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Faye. Thank you, man. <laughs> Ooh, I'm telling you, this morning I, I couldn't get the microphone open. I forgot the three by five cards, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm here. That's tell you what. As they're still getting those cards out, yes. Does anybody need a pen? Does anybody need a pen? Slip your hand up. We'll bring a pen to you, brother. Tommy needs a pen here. All right. You need a pen? Miss Savannah needs a pen as well. <laughs> All right. Well, as you've got that, we'll take those up at the end of the service, so you don't have to worry about worry about it. But as we're going through the message today, maybe the Lord will prompt your heart on something, and I want you to write that down. Just here's the question again. You could put you know one on the left side, and then your yes or no on the right side. But what does this church need to do that would make it? successful in your eyes or in in your in your perspective what needs to be done what event needs to be planned what i I don't know what whatever do you think needs to be done so that this church in your mind will be successful and then are you willing to help to achieve that and that you can put that there all right Revelation chapter number two, we've read the text this morning, our title is Consider Collins Hill. The book of Revelation, it was written by the Apostle John while he was in exile on the Isle of Patmos. There's a small island there in the Mediterranean, and he was exiled there for about ten years. And while he was there, he wrote this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit around eighty ninety. Now, I do want to let you know that that is a very important date. And why, you, why do you say it's important? Well, because the destruction of Jerusalem took place in AD 70. And so we know that when we put the date of this writing at AD 90, around AD 90, then we know that the events that took place at the destruction of Jerusalem are not what fulfills the book of Revelation, Many will say that the book of Revelation was written around 60 A.D. Therefore, when the destruction of Jerusalem happened, well, then Revelation was fulfilled. But we know that that's not the case because in all of the book of Revelation, the destruction of, the, of, of Jerusalem is not mentioned one time. And I would think that if it had already taken place, then they would have said, oh, and by the way, when, when uh, Jerusalem was destroyed, that fulfilled everything. No, so we know that many of the events in the book of Revelation are are a prophecy of what is to come. And as we look here at Revelation chapter two, we, we notice that this church, the church at Ephesus, it represents the apostolic church, the church that still had the apostles there, the church that that the apostle John, in fact, pastored for many years the church that, that the Apostle Paul started and spent almost three years at on his third missionary journey. So we see that this church, it represents all the churches that took place that were, that were around during that apostolic period. And of course, every church that's represented, we have Thyatira, Pergamus, Sardis, and, and we go down the line. They all represent different time periods of history. You might have heard it before, but we live in the Laodicean church age. What does that mean? That means that the, the letter to the church at Laodicea, it was to a specific church at the time where it was written. Yes. But it also was a picture, a foreshadowing of the time in which we are now living in. That, that church age where, where we're not hot, we're not cold, we're lukewarm. And I'm telling you, we see that everywhere. Christians everywhere are lukewarm. They're not on fire for God. And they're Lukewarm. But we see that this church at Ephesus, they had gotten a letter written to them here by the Apostle John. But it's interesting as well that this is the only church out of the seven churches that had another letter written to them by a different apostle. Of course, you think of Ephesus, you think of Ephesians. Well, the book of Ephesians was written to the same people that this letter is addressed to. It's the same church. And so keep that in mind as we go throughout the message that this church got a letter from both Paul, the man who started it, and from the Apostle John, the man who either, it's a little disputed about the time, and it, and it makes sense, but either who pastored it before, the Apostle John pastored it before his exile or directly after it. We're unsure for, for, to say absolutely sure, but we do know that both of these men pastored the church at Ephesus. Well, as we look at the city of Ephesus, it was a beautiful city. This city, it was beautiful. And in fact, was the chief city of Asia. The, all seven churches were located in Asia Minor around the area of Turkey and those areas, present-day Turkey at least. And we see that it was, it was basically the capital city. It was the home of the great temple of Diana. Now, this temple of Diana was three times bigger than the Parthenon. You think about the Parthenon and what, what's over in ancient Greece and even there today, you know, you have the ruins of the Parthenon and you think of how big it was and to the, to the false gods. But, but the temple uh, to Diana was three times bigger than that. It was a huge temple. It, in fact, was the bank of Asia. One commentator mentioned that. But Diana, she was the goddess of fertility and the religious practices around the temple, in the temple. And in the uh, Ephesus proper were nothing but lewd sexual immorality in the darkest of cities. And Ephesus was a dark city in the darkest of cities. God rose up a church. And it is this church that we see the Apostle John is writing to. The church that he pastored at one point, the church that the Apostle Paul started and pastored. And it is this church that this first letter is written to. Today we're going to be considering Collins Hill in view or in light of the church of Ephesus. We're going to be looking at the church of Ephesus and and the the commendation that God gave to them. the, The condemnation that God gave, but also then we will see the commands that God gave to the church of Ephesus. And we're going to view... The truth of the word of God of what God said to Ephesus. And we're going to look at Collins Hill Baptist Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia through that lens. Look with me at three considerations. I've already given them to you. But number one there in your handout is we're going to consider the commendation. We're going to consider what they were doing right. Every church except two or every church was commended for something. But every church except Two, nothing bad was said about them. But I want you to notice some of the ways and some of the things that they were doing that God commended them for. Now, the four things that I'm going to give you, they are not original to me. I uh, was reading a book, and I encourage you, he's a great writer, a great pastor of, of days past, but Warren Wiersbe. He gave these four uh, subpoints, and so these are his four subpoints. And I, I was reading, I said, well, why invent the wheel when they're already alliterated and already good? They would have been what I said, so... First thing that we see is that they were commended for their service. They were commended for their service. Notice he says in verse 2, I know thy works. I know thy works. You know, God saw what the church at Ephesus was doing. God was there and saw what they were doing. In fact, I want you to look at the verse prior to this and I want you to notice something that's very convicting if you allow it to uh, if you if you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you with it. Notice he says these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, if we were to flip over and look at the previous chapter, we would find that these candlesticks are the churches. These candlesticks are the representations of the churches. And notice what it says, that he walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Not only does God see, not only does God know our works, but God walks in the midst of our church. Now my question to you is this. If God, if Jesus Christ were to walk through those doors and he were to sit down, would he be pleased With everything that's going on at Collins Hill Baptist Church. Collins Hill Baptist Church has a rich history of loving the Lord, serving God. I believe that every person in here has a desire to love the Lord, to serve God as you've done in previous days and as you are currently doing today. But we've got to continue on doing well. You know, we we don't stop here. We go forward. That is our theme of this year. We don't stop and say, man, God used to do great things with Collins Hill Baptist Church. No, no, no. We say, well, yeah, God did great things, but what's he going to do now? Everything is looking up. Now, yes, we live in a world that is going downhill. We live in in a society that's going downhill. But we've already noticed that the church at Ephesus, they were in a very bad society. And what did God do? He raised up a church that was a shining light in the capital of Asia. We see that God, He knew this church's works. He knows their service. God knew knew and saw what the church at Ephesus was doing, good and bad. And God does the same to us, He knows our works. Not only do we see their service, but letter B, we see their sacrifice. Letter B, we see their sacrifice. Notice he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy labor. This word labor here, it means literally it means a beating. Now, I received a few beatings in my life. But the word labor here, it means a beating or excessive toil. Excessive toil. Now, how many of you, you have spent a day where you have worked hard? I mean, I'm telling you, when, when I say worked hard, I mean, you worked hard. I mean, you did all sorts of working. You get in and you just, you get to the house and you continue. You're doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. And about the time you hit the, hit the bed, I mean, it's just lights out. I'm sure many of you, if not everybody, has had days like that before. You know, the Bible says here that God, he knew thy works and thy labor, that he knew that they were toiling. He knew that they were laboring, that they were sacrificing. This church not only worked and had all the programs, but they were sacrificing. They were a sacrificial church. They sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their money. They sacrificed themselves. You know, we can't have a church that does all these things if, number one, nobody comes to it. But number two, if nobody helps, if nobody sacrifices, if nobody toils, excessively toils to accomplish what God desires his church to accomplish. We see here that the church of Ephesus, God commended them for their service, their their work. They had all the programs. They did everything. He commended them for their sacrifice. They were sacrificing themselves for the Lord. He, He commended them for their steadfastness. Their steadfastness. Notice he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. Now this word patience, it means endurance under a trial. It means to continue on, to endure. Our theme this year is to go forward. And that's what we want to do. We want to go forward. Well, if you're going to go forward, then that means that previously there was a good foundation laid. And I believe that there was a good foundation laid here at this church. And I believe that that foundation is still standing as strong as ever to this day. But what do we do? We continue. We, we stay steadfast. We continue going forward. This church, they endured under trial. They were steadfast. They were faithful to the Lord. They were faithful to the things that they had committed to the Lord to do. The Holy Spirit made it clear in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, that yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution not only were they steadfast in the things that they were doing but they were steadfast in the face of tribulation they were steadfast in the face of persecution this church was under immense persecution we're going to go to a to a passage here in just a moment where we'll see that but this church was facing persecution yet during this they remained steadfast in their work and their labor for the lord they were a patient church they were steadfast they were faithful in doing what God had called them to do. Not only were they steadfast, but we see, letter D, their separation. We see their separation. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number two as well. He says, And how thou canst not bear them which say or bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And has found them liars. Notice he says later in verse number 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. This church was a separated church. They were separated from the world. They were separated from things that God said, hey, this is evil. You need to be separated from it. You know, there are some things that church ought not allow. Church members ought not do. There are just some things that we shouldn't do. Why? Because we ought to be separated from them. We ought to be different from the world. They were separated. We see their separation in the fact that they were separated from, number one, false teaching. I didn't put this in the handout, but you can write that in there. They were separated from false teaching. There were groups of folks and people that were coming into the church and teaching false doctrine. The Bible says that the church of Ephesus was, here's the buzzword of the day, they were intolerant of that. You know, the world says we ought to be tolerant of everything, anything and everything. We ought to tolerate it, be tolerant of it. But when it comes to church business and when it comes to sin, when it comes to false teachings... We ought to be intolerant. There, there is no place for false teaching in God's house. Now, I want you to flip with me to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. And here we see Paul is writing again, or not Paul, I'm sorry, Luke is writing to the Ephesians in his book of Acts. He's writing about them, describing them for us. But here in Acts chapter number 20, starting in verse number 17, I want you to notice he says, and from Miletus, he, that is Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So we know that at this time, at this part of Paul's missionary journey, that there was a church at Ephesus that was established and he called for the elders of the church. He called for those that had been there, the founders, the faithful men that had stood and proclaimed and preached the word of God. He called for the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, this is Paul speaking, ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Now, what Paul is saying here is simple. That he was serving the Lord with humility while, and he was serving the Lord, there were some tears that were shed. That there was some temptations that he had. That they befell him by the Jews that were lying and wait, waiting for him because they were under persecution. Persecution had come. The Jewish people, the, the, the religious people of the day, they were persecuting these so-called Christians, It was a derogatory term that they called them. They They were attacking them. But notice verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Paul, he's, he's leaving the church at Ephesus again. He's leaving them. He's got to go to Jerusalem. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But he's got to go. Say that the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. He, he's saying that, man, I'm, I'm going to jail. I My life is at risk. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. What, what is he saying there? That when it comes to Jesus Christ, His life is nothing but to serve the Lord. His life without Jesus is meaningless. His purpose is not found outside of Jesus Christ. He doesn't count His life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's our ministry. That that is the ministry of Collins Hill Baptist Church in 2024 to testify the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, this responsibility falls on myself, falls on any man that stands behind this pulpit, and any person that ever teaches. As we move forward and as we're able to start things, kids, whatever, whatever it is, as we're able to do these things, every teacher ought to... Clearly and boldly proclaim the whole counsel of God. Verse twenty eight. This is the we get to, to the point of this verse, of these of this passage rather. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You know, you know, when I read this verse, it says, Hey Landon. Hey, teachers, this isn't your church. You know, Kylan's so Hill Baptist Church is not my church. This is God's church. This church is not your church. This is God's church. We need to be careful that we remember that this is God's church, that not everything has to go by our preference, but that it honors and glorifies the Lord. It's God's church. But he says to take heed therefore. That that means to beware. To watch unto yourselves and to all the flock. Watch yourself and watch the flock. Why? For I know this. That after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. He was warning them to stay separated from false teaching. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. To the elders that were at the church at Ephesus. There were false teachers. There were wolves in sheep's clothing that were coming in. That were going to deceive the flock. Try and draw them away. And the Bible makes it clear that we ought to remain separated from that. Now I want you to notice... As well, I'm sorry, I actually want to read one more verse here. Verse 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, that's how long he was at Ephesus, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul was warning the church. Paul was warning every person that he came in contact with. Warning them, not only of the incoming uh, eternity, but he was warning those that were saved, those that were at this church, that there was false teachers that were coming. False teachers that were going to come in that were going to sound real good. They were going to look real good. They were going to be very convincing. In fact, they probably are going to have some Bible verses to back up what they're saying. And He says to be careful, take heed, watch, and remember that, that they are grievous wolves. This church needs to stand against false teaching. This church, as it has in the past, needs to stand and continue to stand against false doctrine, false teaching. It's out there. You just turn on the TV, go to TVN. You, you go to Facebook. You watch those short videos. You go, to, you go to YouTube. False teaching is everywhere. We ought to be careful not to allow that into the church of God. You say, Well, what is well, how do we know what's true? How do we filter out and weed out what's right and what's wrong? Well, I'm glad that you asked. We have our Bibles. If somebody says something, if I say something, you say, Well, hang on. I mean, the verse, the Bible says this here. I, I don't fully understand it. Well, hey, that's good. You say, Well, well. If I say something and you say, well, the Bible says this here. Well, how do you do that? You know, and it may be, well, you know, in context here, it, it actually, it works. There, there's no contradiction. Or maybe it's, well, you know what? I was wrong. I know a Baptist preacher just said he was wrong. But, but maybe, guess what? If I, if I stand up here and I talk enough, I'm going to say something that's wrong at some point. And if I say something that's wrong and you say, you know what? The Bible actually says something opposite and we talk about it. You know what? You're right. I was wrong. Then guess what? I'll get up here and I'll say, folks, I said something and it was incorrect. And I correct that based on this. And we move on. But you know what? If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll let false teaching slide in slowly and that's how it always comes in, is it comes in slowly. John also wrote about these false, this false teaching in the book of First John, chapter number 4. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. This is how you know that this is the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. You want an easy test to know is this person of God or not of God? Ask them, who is Jesus? And if they say Jesus was not God or, or, well, Jesus was kind of God, but not really. That spirit is not of God. That teaching is not of God. There are some things that the church needs to take seriously. And the false doctrine in this world is one of those things. And I think that it's very clear just so that you know from, from uh, ahead of time that if there is a false teaching that comes and is very popular and everybody seems to be talking about it, it will be addressed from the word of God, from this pulpit. I would say, look, hey, there's a really popular teaching going on and it's this. Just letting you know that this is what the Bible says about it and we'll move on. But you see, those things are important. We, We ought to know, okay, well, what does the Bible say? Because if you're witnessing and if you're telling others about the Lord, they may say, Well, hey, I heard this on YouTube at some point. Well, what is you know? Now your answer, and this is a good answer, by the way, but your answer may be, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. But maybe you will know. And maybe you'll be able to give an answer, give a response. But we see that they ought to they were separated from false teachings, but they were also separated from false teachers. Number two, false teachers. The Bible references a group of people in verse number 6 called the Nicolaitans. Now the word Nicolaitan, it is means to conquer the people. The Nicolaitans were those that came in and they said, Alright, my way or the highway? They weren't servant leaders. They weren't leaders. They were ones that came in and conquered the people. Now look, Now, this is not how it's going to be, but I'm just telling you. Now you just imagine. I'm about to be a Nicolaitan for a second, Okay. All right, this is, this is not me. I'm making sure I'm recording. This is not what I'm actually saying. Okay, if I were to come in here, stand up here and say, all right, everybody, just want to let you know that I'm going to tell you where to sit from now on and uh, I'm going to tell you what to wear. In fact, I, I need you to send me pictures of your of your closet so that I can tell you exactly what to wear every Sunday. I'm going to give you a schedule and uh, I'm going I'm to tell you who you're allowed to talk to. Who you're not allowed to talk to. In fact, I'm going to tell you what to believe and what not to believe, and if you believe anything other than you're wrong, and we're going to tell you to leave the church. And uh... oh, by the way, you can never disagree with me; I'm always right, 100 percent of the time. Just letting you know. Okay, you, you know what I you know what I'm at what I am. I'm a Nicolaitan. I, I'm conquering the people. You, you know what what you, what you just heard? You heard. Those words are filled with pride. Those words are filled with arrogance. Those words are filled with people or or people that say those things. They are there to conquer the people, not to love the people, but to conquer them. That's what these Nicolaitans were. You say, that's crazy. I mean, nobody would ever say that, but that's what these folks were doing. Maybe not to the specific degree that I was saying in the examples that I used, but they were there to conquer the people. Say, I'm better than, and you have to do what I say. The the church ought to be separated from false teachings and false teachers. In fact, the Bible gives us an example of one of these false teachers in 3 John. He says, verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. It was Diotrephes' way or the highway. If you didn't do it his way, he kicked you out of the church. That that, that was the kind of person that was in the church here. Diotrephes, he was, by definition, a Nicolaitan. We see that the church at Ephesus, they were separated from them. They, they, they tried them that said they were apostles and found them liars. They, they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. God says he hates them as well. They were separated. They were separated. They were steadfast. They, were, they, they sacrificed and they served the Lord. That was their commendation. But notice with me number two, we see their condemnation. We're going to consider their condemnation condemnation. I want you to look at verse number four. To many, this may seem small. This may seem an insignificant verse, insignificant condemnation. Like, Lord, really? I mean, out of everything that you could have said, this is what you said. Look at verse four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Because thou hast left thy first love. The church at Ephesus, they left their first love. They left the one that had saved them. They left the one that had sanctified them. They left the one for whom they were laboring and working for. Give you an illustration. I remember going to team camp and getting on fire for God. You know how that goes. Man, something, you go to a week of camp and it's just like, man, I'm ready to charge hell with a water gun. It's just on fire for the Lord. About a month later, that fire had been extinguished. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You get on fire for the Lord and then a matter of time passes by and it's like, well, I'm not as on fire as I used to be. Now, I was still in church. My parents made sure I was there. I was still attending the youth group. I was still singing in the youth choir. I, I was even preaching some. But I had left my first love. I had left the one that I was doing all of it for. If, all, if Collins Hill Baptist Church is not careful, we can become so busy doing this, come so busy doing that, doing, doing all these programs, do, doing everything, that we forget who... We're doing it for. I imagine that the announcements at the church of Ephesus were similar to this. All right, folks, we've got Sunday school at 10. We've got church at 11. We've got we're going to have an afternoon Bible study at three. We're going to have an evening service at five. We're going to actually have another fellowship time at 630 after the service. As long as the pastor doesn't preach too long. Then Monday morning, we're actually going to meet for breakfast, all of us. We're going to have a, a great time together. And then Monday night, we're going to have small group Bible studies in, in everybody's houses. You're going to you know go to your assigned person. And then Tuesday, we're going to do this. And then and then Wednesday, we've got midweek service, so make sure that you're here for that. And then Thursday, we've got another midweek service. We're actually going to have four, and I want everybody there at all four of them. And then, then, then Friday, we're going to have three groups in. We're going to have them sing. We're going to do great things. And then Saturday, we're going to go out. We're going to knock on 6,000 doors every weekend. Then we're going to come back. We're going to have a, a, a service. We're going, to, we're going to get at the altar. We're going to pray for four hours each. And then, and then Sunday we're going to do it all over again. I imagine that that is what the church at Ephesus was, almost sounded like. They were a busy church doing all sort of stuff. But they had left the one that they were doing all those things for. Now, is doing all that bad? If you can do it, go for it. But they had forgotten the one that they were worshiping, the one that they were doing it for. And as I said before, if we're not careful, we'll be, we'll be doing all these things. We'll, we'll sing the right songs. We'll preach the right messages. We'll, we'll tell others about the Lord, but, but we have a cold heart. We're, we're not on fire for the Lord. We're serving God because we've got to check the box off, not because we love Him. As we looked at last week, the love of Christ constraineth us it urges us, it compels us for the church of Ephesus. They had gotten to the place that they were just doing it, just to do it. Doing it because they always did it. The church of Ephesus stood in stark contrast at this moment with the church of Thessalonica. Uh, flip over with me First Thessalonians chapter number 1. I want you to see this. First Thessalonians chapter number 1. You got Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First Thessalonians. If you reach Psalm, you went too far. Thessalonians chapter number one, first Thessalonians chapter number one. Notice verse number three. Paul, he's writing this letter as well to this church. He says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. And patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. This church at Thessalonica, they they had some faith. They were working because of that faith. They were laboring in love. They loved the Lord and they were laboring. They, They were hopeful and they were patient because of it. This church at Thessalonica, they had everything going. Their heart was right. And they were serving the Lord out of a right heart. But we see the contrast with the church at Ephesus. They were working. They, they sure were. They were working. But they had lost their faith. They lost sight of it. They, they, they were laboring. But they, they lost and left their love. They were patient. But they lost and forgot about their hope that they had. Church, I can't tell you enough that we've got to be careful that we don't just do things just because the church down the road's doing it. That, that, that we don't do things just because, well, we've always done it this way. And just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's wrong. There are some things that we've always had preaching. Well, let's keep on preaching. We've always prayed and sung. We're going to keep on doing it. But if our motivation to do things for the Lord is, oh, well, we've always done it. Or, or, oh, well, you know, we've got to do it to compete with people down the road. The reality is, is that if that's our motivation, we are in the same place that the church at Ephesus was. We've left our first love. And I can just tell you by a personal testimony. Maybe you can fit this in. And it's very easy. I have been in the ministry for a little over two years, full time ministry over two years. Been preaching since I was twelve years old, and I can tell you this, and I know this may shock you, but there have been times where I have gone into church on a Monday, Tuesday, whatever it is. I've sat down, and from eight in the morning until three in the afternoon, I never left my seat. I was typing away. I was doing this, doing that, answering phones, calling folks. Telling them I was praying for, I mean, doing X, Y, Z, everything. I go home, I'm tired, I go to sleep, I I eat supper, I go to sleep, I gotta eat. Eat supper, go to sleep, wake up the next day. Did I read my Bible yesterday? Did I pray yesterday? I'm just being transparent with you. I know that you're much spiritualer, spiritualer than I am much more spiritual than I am and have never experienced that before. But, but you know, the same is true with church. We can just come and, and we got a nice build, nice sanctuary, God's blessed us, nice comfortable chairs, great people, hallelujah. We can, we can come and we can sing the songs, we can listen to the message, we can take notes, we can leave and go home, take our blessed nap. We can wake up on Monday and think, what did we do yesterday at church? Did, did I even read my Bible yesterday? By the way, I'm talking to myself, just letting you know. If we're not careful, we'll leave our first love. We'll, we'll serve the Lord. We'll do all these great, mighty things for the Lord. But the motivation of which we're doing it, we've left the one that is our motivation, and that is the Lord. David Brainerd, the missionary to the Indians in this country, was such a man. He suffered from what was then called consumption. We now know it as tuberculosis. He would travel to the Indians by horseback and sometimes he would have a convulsion, vomit blood, become unconscious and fall off his horse. He would lie in the snow and when that happened, his horse learned to stay right there. When he regained his consciousness... He would crawl back onto his horse and be on his way to preach to the Indians. As he went, he would cry out, Lord Jesus, I failed you, but you know that I love you. He had that close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I encourage you today, as as we consider Collins Hill... As we consider the things that we're doing right, can I just tell you, just to give you some encouragement, there are some things that this church has and is doing right. But I believe in my own life, and if it's true for me, then I'm, I'm hoping that you can identify as well, that there are some things that we do that our motivation is just because, well, everybody else is doing it. And it's not because we love the Lord. The church at Ephesus, they had left their first love. I'll give you the third thing here in closing. Aren't you thankful that I'm not like the Apostle Paul that says finally and then goes on for another two chapters? No, I won't go for two more chapters. I'll only go for one. Third consideration consider the command. Consider the command. Letter A, he was commanded, this church was commanded to. Remember this word, remember, it carries the idea of calling back to your memory the way things used to be. Notice he says, from whence thou art fallen. Verse five, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. He says, think back, think back to where you used to be. Think back to, to the excitement that you used to have. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you remember when you got saved remember how excited you were you remember how just it was man things were happening god god was changing your life you were excited and now you're kind of eh. you know what god's saying to do remember remember those things you remember when you first led somebody to the lord i hope that you've led maybe one person and if you haven't that's okay you've still got time but you remember when you led that first person to the lord and that excitement that you had, just it was like getting saved yourself all over again. R- remember? Remember that? God's saying, hey, re- remember that. Remember from whence thou wert followed. Remember that joy. Remember that excitement. He says to remember, when we ponder what God used to do, we can be reignited to believe that He can do it again. And, and not just do it again, but do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that he's ever done before. God is able. He says to remember, commanded us to remember. Not only has he commanded us to remember, but he's commanded us to repent. Notice he says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. That word repent, it simply means to change, one mind, change one's mind. That is what the word repent means. Vine's Dictionary defines repent this way. In the New Testament, the subject chiefly has reference to repentance from sin. And this change of mind involves both a turning from sin and a turning to God. If you're here today and you're saved, you repented. Whether you said those specific, that specific word or not, you did repent. You, you were walking this way in your sin. And then you realize, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind about my sin. It is as bad as God said it was. I'm changing my mind about myself. I can't make it to heaven on my own. And I'm changing my mind about my Savior. Jesus is the only way. And you know what's happened is you've repented. You've changed your mind. And you've changed your direction. You're you're going this way now. Okay, if you're saved, you've done that. But now... I don't know if you can identify with this, but sometimes, okay, I'm this way now. And then sometimes you, you you do this. You ever feel like that? You're walking in your in your Christian walk, and you and you start looking back a little bit that way. And then and then maybe you 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 know you you can't go back this way because you're saved. God's got you. God's gonna keep you. But you but you try and just keep that one arm in. Maybe you just say, all right, you know, Lord, I know I've got to go this way, but I'm gonna try and you know just get a little bit that way. Try try and live a little bit in that sin. And then when you do that, and the Lord convicts your heart and says, you shouldn't be living in that sin. you say, Lord, I repent. I changed my mind. I I, I don't want that sin. And you, you, you keep going this way. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. We see here that God, he commands them to remember. And then when they remember, they will repent They'll change their mind. They'll say, man, it was a lot better the way that we used to serve the Lord in love. It it was a lot better when when I was leading people to the Lord and when I was faithful to God's house. It was a lot better back then. He says, remember those things and repent. Change your mind and then what? It leads directly into the third third, uh, command, letter C. They were commanded to return, he says, and do the first works. Those things that you remembered, that great and mighty things that you remember God doing. You change your mind, you repent, and then you say, okay, I'm going to do those things again. I'm going to do the first works. I'm going to labor in love. I'm I'm going to work in faith. I'm going to have patience with hope, knowing that Jesus is coming again. When we consider Collins Hill Baptist Church, we need to, if we haven't already, We need to collectively and also individually say, you know what? There's some sin that I'm just trying to hold on to. And we say, Lord, I repent of that sin. I'm walking with you. Lord, Lord, I repent of that sin. I'm going the way you want me to go. Maybe as a collective part of the church, maybe there was some things that that used to be done that aren't done anymore. And, and And they should be done. And maybe we say, you know what? We need to repent of that. We need to change our mind about that. God wants us to do those things. And we need to do them. Maybe we're, maybe we're doing some things that, that we're just doing them because, well, that's just what we do. We need to repent of that. We need to remember why we even started doing it in the first place and get back to doing that. Get back to that motivation. When we consider Collins Hill, when I consider Collins Hill Baptist Church, and when I look at Collins Hill Baptist Church through the lens of the church of Ephesus, I see that God, there, there's some things that we're doing right. There are some things that have been done right, that are done right, that we need to continue to do. And I'm, and I'm not thinking of anything specifically, and I can't think of anything specifically, but there may be some things that we need to get back to the original motivation of doing them. And may, maybe this part of the message is just a foreshadowing. Maybe this part of the message, it, it, it won't apply specifically until 10 years down the road. We, I don't know. But there are some things that we may need to get our heart back on Jesus Christ as our motivation for doing them. Maybe you individually, there's some things you need to get your heart back on the Lord. Say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve you because I love you. The Bible says and teaches us that we love him because he first loved us. The Bible also says that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. If we love the Lord... If you truly love the Lord, you will obey his commands. You will obey what God says to do. God, he's given us everything we need to live righteously, godly in this present world. We have it. God wants us to live by it. And if we truly love him, if our motivation is our love for him. Then the things that we do will truly bring honor and glory to the Lord. And this condemnation that was brought on the church of Ephesus for leaving their first love won't apply to us because we're doing the things that God desires we do, and we're doing it because we love Him, because we want to serve Him, because we want to sacrifice for Him. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Bible message. We pray that you've received a blessing And we look forward to being with you again in the future.